Running with Jake, the podcast. On this episode, any advice for eating a roast dinner while you're running a marathon? At all? <laughs> and unless you're going to liquidise it, Pete, put it in a sports <laughs> bottle. I think I'm going to rule that out. Running with Jake, the podcast, because every runner needs the occasional plot. And here's your host, Jake Lowe. Welcome to the show. Welcome to 2022. We are back. This is the first episode of the year. Running with Jake, the podcast, your weekly dose of running motivation. I'm very impressed, first and foremost, that I actually remembered the title of the show. It does feel a little bit odd, yes. We've never missed an episode. We had a show throughout December. Every week, every Wednesday, we release full-length episodes. We, But we recorded the episode in between Christmas and New Year before Christmas. It was all very confusing. So I've actually not been in the recording booth slash the clothes cupboard, the coat cupboard, for quite some time. So this is, it's good to be back, but I'm also a little bit out of sorts. But we're here, we're ready, we're going to fire you up. It must have felt so soulless over the Christmas period, though, for you to go into the coat cupboard just to get a coat out. I mean, it really must. <laughs> <laughs> There's a memory of what used to be, oh yes, that podcast. I mean, what is a coat cupboard for? Not for damn coats, I can tell you that much. It's for a recording studio. This is Now, this is great to be back, actually, and I do feel genuinely fired up. I know that's a little bit cliche in some respects, the whole new year, new start and whatnot, but I don't know about you, Pete, but I'm all for New Year's resolutions. Call them resolutions, call them changes, call them tweaks, call them looking back over the previous year and what things do you want to improve or add into the following year, the new year. I'm all for that. I think, yes, there's no time like the present. You can make changes any time across the year. But I think that draw a line in the sand, it's January, let's go. I'm all for it, man. So I'm I'm, I'm buzzing. What, where are you on the whole New Year's resolution front? I'm really interested. Is this something you buy into? It, it never has been, if I'm honest with you, um, except for it, it's... I suppose Christmas between Christmas and New Year, like you say, any time is the right time for making a change. If you go, hey, that needs to change, mm. let's do it now. Because, you know, there's a, there's never a better time for making a change. Uh, now is always the best time to make the change. So why wait for New Year has always been my take on things. But practically, like between Christmas and New Year, n- nobody's really working. And it just gives you a chance to relax and stretch out and probably review things that have happened. And the fact that it's on the calendar and it's... It's at the end of the year is irrelevant, really, but it just gives you a chance to reflect on things and go, right, what happened that year? What do I want to do with the new year? All that kind of stuff. But rather than call it New Year's resolutions, I kind of like refer to it as goal setting. So I'll always have New Year's Eve, whatever the year is, in my phone on, on the notes thing. Well, it is interesting. You mentioned the whole goal setting thing. Very relevant to a running podcast and life, let's be honest. I think we, we all kind of set goals, even if we don't classify them and categorise them as actual actual goals. Does that make sense? I think naturally we're thinking about things to do and things to change throughout the course of the year. Some people more than others, depending on how you're wired. But it links nicely to what we're doing with running and setting goals for the year. And today's episode is a little bit different, isn't it? Because as you put it, we spoke over the weekend and I was like, right, Pete, what's the plan for the first show, the new year? How are we going to set the tone? What what do we do here? And you were like, well, I reckon we should just mop up some old stuff from... uh, (laughs) 
from 2021. I was like, you're a professional podcast producer. What do you mean mop up some old stuff? It's kind of what you do at the beginning of January, isn't it? You mop up all the, all the old Christmas crap and you, you mop up that up and you take the Christmas decorations down. And I think we need to do the same thing with the podcast. We need to take down the old decks and mop up, uh, mop everything up. And, and what I refer to there is that <laughs> there are, like you said, you know, uh, we do release episodes every every week it's every wednesday 52 weeks and we do get a lot of contact uh, from people wanting to know the answers to their running related questions on hashtag ask so if you want to get in touch by the way you can uh, all you got to do is just email uh, podcast at runningwithjake.com get your questions in there but obviously we get a lot of these and we only had 52 answered last year um, so I just thought we could mop up some of those because I'd hate for people to be listening having contacted us and got in touch uh, and they'd be like, oh, well, you didn't answer my question, so you're rubbish. So I thought we could mop up and sort all that out now. Well, I think it's a great idea and it links nicely to what you you mentioned. You know, we're talking about New Year's resolutions and goal setting is the phrase that you use there. And we had a question from James recently who says that he typically struggles to get going in the new year. He struggles to motivate himself over kind of January, February, March time, get that momentum, which makes sense. And he wants to know how to motivate him himself, if we've got any tips or tricks that, that can help. And I think starting with goal setting is hugely valuable. Now, I think there's a, I want to put a bit of a caveat in here because I think sometimes goals and goal setting and New Year's resolutions and all that kind of thing can be a little tricky because it can put pressure on people. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Sure, like, yeah. Oh, I've got yeah. to have this big grand plan. I'm going to bungee jump over the Grand Canyon naked. I don't know why naked. <laughs> no, you don't have to do that. They can be quite simple goals. And I don't think they're necessarily always easy to come up with or conjure up or have in mind you know if i ask you oh have you got any goals i think people don't often give themselves the time and the space to really think about it it's kind of knee-jerk oh i've got to answer i should know immediately well you might not know (laughs) if you've got a marathon coming up in spring let's say well there's your goal it's quite obvious you might not have in which case it may be worth setting yourself some little goals and i've got a few thoughts on this actually pete i think When setting goals, and there's no right or wrong here, these are just my thoughts and theory on it, and I apply this to myself. So when setting goals, I think it's important to ask yourself how challenging you want that goal to be. So from where you are currently to achieving it, what's that void? How big is that gap? Now, for some people that are really ambitious, maybe you're heading into this year, you've got a little bit more time on your hands, you used to be office-based, you're working from home, we hear this from a lot of people these days, able to train almost like a full-time athlete, you know, a professional can commit more, therefore you want this big void that you've got to fill, this gap, this bridge to cross, you're up for a real big challenge in testing yourself, that's fine, you may not be wired that way. You may be of a personality type where actually you need to be a little bit kinder to yourself because you don't respond hugely well to an overwhelming amount of pressure. And if that's the case, accept that, understand it first and foremost, accept it, and then set some goals accordingly. If you are somebody that's not been super frequent, super consistent, let's say, with with running, and James has mentioned here, struggling over the new year, I imagine that in these months, historically, James is not super consistent with his training. I imagine, which is why he struggles to motivate himself. So maybe what you want to do, James, is just set yourself some mini goals. You know, if ideally, dream scenario, you want to get out there three times a week, well, don't set yourself three times a week initially, because to get out three times a week, you've got to at least, you've got to at least get out once a week. So maybe start with that. 
Because if that's a step forward, if that's a baby step, you're going to feel like you're making progress. You are making progress, of course. And you're going to feel good about yourself and about your running and about your wellness. And that's really important. And I think that's where momentum can kick in because that's really what we're after, isn't it? When we when we set goals and training and trying to motivate ourselves, anybody can do a great single run or have a, a single great week of training or even a month. It's doing it day after day week after week, month after month, having that consistency and you need that momentum. But I think starting slowly can definitely help. I really think that's so important, actually. Yeah, absolutely. You know my running. I mean, we, if you if you listen back to podcasts from a year or two years ago, I always said I was a non-running guy. And I am a non-running guy because I don't have the mentality of a runner. I truly believe that. Um, but I, I, I don't have any... You know, I talked about my... Um, goals for 2022 none of them are running related um not in any way there is one running related um goal in there and that is simply to get out for a little run three times a week just go outside put my trainers on go for a little 5k or a 10k or whatever however distance it is i don't even know because i don't measure it because running offers me that escape of not wanting or worrying about metrics but what i would say and I can say this on my own. I've I've never had any goals, running goals. And because of that, I am no fitter and no better and no faster and can run no further than I could six months ago, even though I've been running every week, several times a week. Because I've always done the same thing at the same pace for the same amount of time for the same distance. I don't know how far it is. I don't know how long it takes, but I'm pretty sure I've not improved during that time. So I think if you want to improve your running, I think you've always said that goal setting and doing this and mixing up your training sessions is really, really important. And I totally agree with that, even though I have no experience of doing it, but I do have experience from the other side of the coin where I go, actually, you know, doing this distance that I'm doing right now hurts as much as it did six months ago. I should be fit- I should be fitter. Well, I shouldn't be fitter, really, should I? Because I'm I'm just doing the same stuff in a routine and it's actually as it happens it's a routine that suits me and i don't wish to be any fitter that's the classic scenario whereby you first start out running any activity but you first start out running you naturally increase your ability improve your ability yes it's uncomfortable initially when you get back out there maybe even if you've had like a massive break maybe several months and you're getting back into it, it's really challenging But then a little bit of momentum kicks in. Even if you're out there doing the same kind of runs, as you say, same time of day, same same day of the week, same route, yada, 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 you're still going to improve to a point. And that's when you reach that plateau. It's funny because often when people get in touch with me interested of coaching support and me helping them through their running it's often it's usually one of three things there's many reasons but i think there's usually three things there not in any particular order injury is one so if they've come back from injury they've been plagued with injury they don't want to be injured again they want to do everything they can to train with some intelligence and keep it fluid then that's a big reason. The second thing is motivation, of course. So a bit of accountability, a nudge to get out there, to commit to those sessions, to give them the consistency. And the third thing is simply to break out of a plateau. Mm. They do want to improve. They don't quite know how to do it. There's so much literature out there and information and magazines and YouTube videos. And it's like, oh my 
gosh, what do I do with hill repeats? Do I not? How long do they need to be? What's the recovery time? Do I need to do my long runs at marathon pace, half marathon pace? It just becomes overwhelming. So I think there's three kind of significant reasons there, but the plateau one is a big thing. Now, bringing it back to you, actually, Pete, which I find interesting, and we talk a lot about why you run or why we do anything in life to take it to an even deeper level. And we speak to our guests about this on the show each week, you know, what, what, what we like to get into the reasons why and what motivates you and things. But for you, you will have reasons that you get out there. So what, and it may not necessarily to be, to do a race or to achieve a personal best or any of that. Why do you run? Why do you get out there each week now when you didn't do? You know, now you're into it a little bit. Yeah. What's the motivation? Uh, the motivation, quite honestly, is I'll spend time at work. I'm, I'm looking at metrics. I'm looking at uh, podcast listening, download figures, all this kind of stuff. Uh, and sometimes it can get on top of me. And by the end of the day, I'm like, I need some kind of release. And if I don't have a release, I don't go for a run and I don't uh, knacker out that um, that energy that I've got pent up inside, I go slowly insane. And uh, that's that's why I've said to myself, I'll run three times a week because, you know, I'd like th- at least three days a week where I'm not completely insane. So that's, sim- <laughs> that's simply it, you know. And, and that's, that's also the reason why I don't particularly feel like I need to improve because what I'm doing helps me for, for what I need it for and also I don't want another metric in my life do you know what I mean I don't want another target and sometimes I do I realise I've reached that plateau and I realised it the other day and I'm running and I'm thinking oh, I should contact Jake really and say mate what shall I do next but then I thought actually I'm not going to do that because once I do that then I'm measuring my own progress in this area as well and I don't want to do that I want it to stay nice and pure and as a release which is what it is that release is so important though isn't it I, I think we all need that in to different degrees and in different ways you know a release can be running if you're somebody that runs a lot lots of people listen to this show that do run a lot and they don't have necessarily issues with consistency and frequency and all those things actually what they may have issues with is rest days and backing off and and not doing anything because actually on a Wednesday it's my rest day how do I commit to that because I'm not getting that release I'm not getting that release yeah absolutely do you know we are mopping things up and you've just taken us really nicely onto another question which we've had as well which we picked out to answer which is just one of the unanswered ask Jakes and it was Steve who got in touch and he was talking about that kind of thing and he was talking about rest days and he hates them because he's he's motivated to train he doesn't have that as an issue but he does have an issue with rest days he hates them and he was saying is it okay to swim on a rest day or do something completely different to running on a rest day i think that's a great question and probably something that a lot of driven individuals can relate to because it's not a question of oh i wish i had the motivation to get out there it's actually i'm I'm struggling to hold myself back and take that time out now interestingly i had this conversation exchanged some messages on this very subject this topic with two of my runners who are both relatively new to the performance community my sort of coaching baby and that's Rob and Marcus who are doing ace they've got some really good goals next year in fact interestingly they don't know each other but they're both training for the Chester Marathon back end of of the year which is going to be amazing I've I've done uh, Chester Marathon before it's a beautiful course in a great city and they're both very consistent and they approach their training very logically and they they ask themselves you know what the benefit of the sessions are and the, the, the overall training plan and all that sort of stuff they really want to commit to so they don't plateau they want to kind of improve but actually, they want to put some extra little bits of training in. And, you know, Marcus messaged me and said, oh, actually, you know, I'm running five days a week, but I'm quite happy. I've got the time. I can make the time to 
fit in some more running. So if you think that's beneficial, then, you know, let me know and, and this kind of thing. And I said to both of these guys, look, do you know what? You, you, you're both running really well in terms of the amount of times each week you're out there. I'm really happy with that based on the goal that you're looking to achieve. You know, we said earlier, what's what's the goal and where are you now and how? what's that bridge that you've got to cross? What work do you need to do? They're doing the required work at this stage with plenty of time. But if you want to train a little bit more, yes, you're going to get some physical benefit as long as what you do is, is right and optimum for you. So it's smart training, but also you're going to feel good, aren't you? So if it's a rest day, do you need to take, for example, a complete day of rest or is there something else that you can do? So in this situation, if it is a true, rest day okay and there's, there's a couple of things I want to mention here but if there's a if there's a, a a true rest day the answer is in the title you need to rest so you need to recover you need what's the idea behind a rest day to get yourself recovered ready for the next sessions to get back into it to work hard to cover the distance hit the paces the heart rates whatever so if you are somebody that has a, rel- a, a reasonable level of fitness I think it therefore becomes easier for you to incorporate some kind of activity on your rest day just to help promote a little bit of blood flow. If you're promoting a little bit of blood flow, that's going to help clear some of the waste products in your body that you built up through some of your more challenging sessions. That could even be just going for a brisk walk. And I don't mean a a, really long, super mountainous hike. And I think this is where people uh, can get caught out by pushing themselves too much. You want to recover. So if you're sat, like you and I now, Pete, I can see you sat in your home studio. I'm clearly stood up in the recording booth. (laughs) Our heart rates are not particularly high despite how animated we get during the recording session so our heart rates are not particularly high if we want to get out there and have a little walk we're going to elevate our heart rate obviously it's going to be higher than it is if we just sat down so if our heart rate is a little bit higher it's pumping our heart's working harder it's pumping more blood around the body still safely it's not intense but you're pumping more blood around the body Mm. with each pump with each beat there's a promotion of nutrient supply that are going to the tired aching muscles to explain it really simply so that's what you're looking at doing you're looking at just getting more bang for your buck than stay than say sat on the sofa now there is another thing to consider here and i don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole but you've also got to think about not just your cardiovascular system and how physically tired you are and, and all that sort of stuff. It's also the shape that your musculoskeletal system is in. So your muscles, to keep it simple, you know, are they battered from doing a hill session yesterday? Well, if they are, actually doing another run or even a walk right now, uh, the following day may not be the best option for you. It may be better to commit to a true rest day. So I think it's down to you to put the onus on you and listen to your body and understand what is best for me. And sometimes the only real way to find out is to test it. Well, I wonder if I'm going to be okay having a really gentle swim on a rest day because I've actually got an interval session tomorrow. Well, here's the thing. You've got to go and try it. There's no other way. Now, I think that's the case with a lot of things in training. And I always say that it's important to test as safely as possible because you don't want repercussions. You don't want to test something that's a little bit out there, a bit radical, a bit crazy. The risk is really high of, let's say, injury. I mean, that's a stupid test, right? But if there's just, well, I wonder if I'm going to feel okay and better for a session tomorrow by doing a little bit of something easy today, a bit of a, many of us have got bikes indoors now. I haven't, but a lot of people have. Maybe you can just spin your legs nice and easy, not with a high resistance, promote some blood flow. Maybe you feel better for that. So there's a few things to consider here. The other thing I just want to add on to this about including other types of training, right? It doesn't just have to be a case of, well, could I use it for recovery, like on a a true rest day? 
you could actually use it to supplement your running training. So I'll use Marcus as an example again, who, you know, my guy that said, look, I can run an extra day here. I'm doing five days a week. I can run six. Mm. And I said, well, look, let's shelve that for now. We, you know, we know it's there. It's on the back burner. It's an option. That's great. Let's leave it in our toolbox because we've not been working together la- that long. You're in great shape. You're achieving some really good times at the moment, doing really well. Your feedback on your sessions are ace. So we know he's in good shape and feeling good. It's not just about the metrics. Let's let's introduce some other form of activity so you've not got the impact so you're getting some aerobic benefit if that makes sense from doing swimming or in his case he's got a bike so he can jump on an indoor bike at home you're getting some aerobic benefit which will definitely help you running but you're not stressing the body too much it's not more pounding on the roads and at some point further down the line maybe we can introduce an extra run and again see how your body responds to it so kind of test safely so that's a big answer, isn't it, there, Pete, to that question? But I think it's it's a great question, and I think it's relevant to, to all of us, really, if we're going to train smart. Because even, and take this as it's meant, but even somebody like you, Pete, who isn't training for performance particularly, you're training for wellness and to hit that reset button, and probably just to feel better about life, and because, you know, running's legal and killing people is not. So you probably, you know, it's probably wise that's, for yeah, you. Yeah, that's right. Somebody said that to me recently, actually. I really laughed. But why do you run? Well, because killing people is illegal. It's oh, a good point. I know comeback. It's a good point. But I think even somebody like yourself, this is really relevant because you want to, why are you not bothered about increasing performance? You don't want to get injured. So you want to stay smart with what you do. So I think it's just about having that, I guess, awareness to make those smart decisions. Yeah. Does that make some sense? Have I, have I explained that well? It makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense, Jake. And it's something I've always, uh, you know, th- you talk about, I, I, I started my running through doing this uh, couch to 5K thing and they always talk about rest days. So like take a day off, mm. have a day on. And I've always, I've always done that and I still do it. And this time, uh, this year, I just thought, you know, sometimes I, I've, I've promised to myself three days a week, I'll go out three days a week. Some days I won't have chance to go out. So sometimes I'll go, right, I can't go out on Wednesday. So I have to go out on Monday and Tuesday. Tuesday and I'm just coming to terms with the fact that I'm going to be okay with that and I will be okay with that because I'm only like doing a few a few you know a few minutes around the block anyway pretty much um but it's always you know and you mentioned strains and stuff like that and I I do I you know we've talked about why I use running and and the worst thing I wouldn't want to be unable to do it because then I'd have to start killing people like you said and that (laughs) is illegal um, and, and funnily enough, just talking about strains and stuff and thinking about that, um, Michael got in touch and he, he's got a calf strain at the moment. He picked it up in November and he's just starting running again, so he's taken a couple of months off and he's just started in the new year. Um, but he's worried that he won't get to Paris, to the marathon in Paris in April. And he's just said, what can I do about that? You know, help me. Calf strain, just started running again worried he's not going to be ready for april april seems like a long way off right now yeah michael i'd love to help but i'm just i know nothing about calf strains i've no experience whatsoever <laughs> it's just it's just not my bag i'm afraid is, is there another podcast maybe where the host has suffered some kind of calf strain you might have suffered basis, a few maybe? in your time jake to be honest <laughs> <laughs> oh how very relevant that question is michael okay so if if you're listening to this by the way uh, and you uh, have not suffered a calf strain like michael uh, but maybe you have picked up another injury and maybe you didn't train quite as much through injury or not throughout november and december let's face it motivation can drop off back end of the year then this you know could could help you my thoughts here so i think you've got to give the body time to heal that's quite clear it sounds like 
you know, that phrase, I'm coming back, it sounds like you're on your way to, to really getting the shoes on and getting out there again. I think it's really smart. The problem with having goals, right? So there's always a kind of upside and a downside to these things. We said at the start of the show, you know, goal setting is really helpful. In many respects, it's really important. But there is a cost to this because if you have set a goal, which you probably is, you probably had registered for quite some time, the Paris Marathon. I'm sure it's going to be awesome, by the way. But there's like this, it's like a ticking clock in the background, isn't there? Like as every minute and hour and day and week goes by that you're not running, it's like, oh, God, I'm not running. How am I going to get back? Am I going to be ready? And all of a sudden, this amazing activity and sport that you've decided to spend your time doing, this hobby running, becomes something to give you real kind of anxious feelings, make you feel pretty bad about the world, put yourself, you know, not in potentially the best of moves. And we don't want that. So I do have this conversation, as you can imagine, fairly often because it's running and Obviously, we can pick up injuries, especially when we're pushing towards goals. I would say to you, Michael, control the things that you can control. So the race, and I said this to one of my runners recently, actually, the race, Paris, you can't do anything about that. It is when it is. Mm. Unless the organisers decide to push it back through the reasons that we all know about, then that's that's a different thing. But otherwise, it's going ahead on that day, on that time that's your that's when the gun goes off and you've got to be ready now you'll be ready or you won't be ready so the fact that that's kind of those days are ticking by just ignore it park it and yes you want to do everything you can to get yourself in the shape to be able to run paris but not at all costs so i guess what would my thought process be so i'd be thinking right i want to take some pressure off here and i want to train smart because if i put myself under pressure to achieve paris and maybe i had a time to achieve prior to this calf injury, if I still hang on to that time, that target time, is that going to make me push more than is healthy? Could I risk injury? Could I risk not being in Paris? You know, and that's not a good thing. So I would say, right, is the time realistic or do I need to adjust? Did I have a target time? And if I did, do I need to be smart? Yeah, look, you know, Michael, I had, I had a few weeks out here or months or whatever it might be. It's been stop, start. We need to kind of readjust. Do you just park the finish time total? totally you know a target time ignore it right we're going for completion here because actually and this is easy to overlook i think for so many of us we tend to look at races i think in isolation right i'm going to train for this 10k right train for that 10k okay right going to recover never running again i'm over it oh i miss it right i'm going to sign up for another 10k (laughs) right i'm going to follow this i'm going to download the same training plan online i'm going to follow that because i did that for the last one you see the pattern sure but actually what happens is it's that accumulative effect. So you, you kind of layer on your fitness. So nothing's wasted. So, you know, I got hamstring cramp mile 24 of the Manchester Marathon in October last year. So I didn't ultimately achieve what I wanted to achieve because I didn't want hamstring cramp mile 24 and hobbling the last couple of miles, which really hindered the finish time. The training isn't wasted. Everything that I've done, it's not like, right, I'm back to square one, let's start again. You're building. So nothing is a waste of time, even if you get really close to Paris and actually you're not at the the point where you can put yourself in that race and complete it. You've still banked all that training, which will put you in good stead in the future. So you've got to kind of park that to make you feel better mentally and I think it will enable you to take smarter decisions because you'll be more in your wise mind you won't be in the emotional mind oh yeah but I've got this race and oh I need to be up to 10 miles by end of January well you don't do you listen to the calf you know what you don't want to do is is re-aggravate it so bringing back things to a practical level and again this is for anybody listening to this that has an injury coming back from injury it's worthwhile parking this information in case you get 
you know, you pick up an injury, I hope not, but in the future. So practically, you, when you're coming back from running, it's important that you're not looking at training as training. It's not fitness. You're not looking at improving your fitness. So back when I, was it November, early November, I think I started running again, middle of November, something like that. And it wasn't a case of I want to increase my fitness. I'm, I'm training to be able to train. Does that make sense? So that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm testing if I'm able to train. Am I okay? Everything's a test. Every time I put the shoes on and get out there. And because it's a test, and because I don't know, in my case, if the calf was okay, I needed to proceed with great caution. I needed to really almost be paranoid, really listening to the body, particularly the cough. Is it okay? Is it unhappy? If it does give you an indication that it's not happy, you need to respond and you need to respond quickly because for every every extra step or kilometre or mile, you're putting more stress through that that injured tissue, which is obviously going to going to set you back even further. So you've got to think, right, forget the race. That's there. That's done. Let's hope I'm ready. If I'm not, that's okay. Nice and relaxed. And practically, I just need to spend these next few weeks run walking and be very disciplined in that. Run, walk, build it up incredibly slowly and just test that everything is all okay. Because you want a good year of running. We all do. We all want a good year of running. Just looking down uh, some other questions, um, there's another one about marathons as well. And this person, Gemma, just says, uh, I, I know it's ages away, but I am a PA. It's my job to be organised, guys. So, with that in mind, it's my first marathon in April. She doesn't say which marathon it is, but it's a question about gels. Um, how oh. many, I know, how many should she take for the race is the question. Lots. Like every five minutes, <laughs> you want to shove another gel down your throat. It's the only thing that will get you through. That's not true, is it? Of course, I'm it's joking. Not true. It's not true. It's completely not true. Um, so gels are, they, I mean, especially if it's your first marathon, they do get a bit of a, a bad rap, I think, very often. Oh, gels, and it's not good, and it can give you, you know, diarrhea and stomach ache, and they're sickly, and oh, I've, you hear people say, oh, by mile 20, I just had enough, or mile 15, or whatever, and you know, your body, I always say your body's under stress anyway in a marathon. So even if you have your the best food in the world, if that was practically possible to consume that during a marathon, because that's all you're consuming and you're consuming it so often and you're under stress and bloody tired, it's no longer going to be your favourite food. You're going to be pretty sick of it by the end. So I think you kind of have to park that a bit. It is about fuel rather than, oh, flavour and taste. And, <laughs> you know, what's this like? Mmm, yummy. I think it's a case of, look, what's going to work for me? What is tolerable? Yes, you don't want to consume things, either product, brand, flavour, types of food that really don't sit well with you, that you really kind of, you know, don't like, then of course you want to kind of look for something else. And that's what training's about as well, Gemma. Mm. You've got to test it in training. Don't leave things to chance on the day of your marathon. As a, as a general kind of a few tips regarding gels, what I would say at this stage, and it's actually great that Gemma's a PAP because it's so early mm. that it is. we've got loads of time until April, loads of time to test this, Gemma. What I would do is get yourself a spreadsheet of all the different brands of gels. <laughs> You'll like that. And the flavours. You'll love that. Uh, laminate it, of course. You've got to print it off, laminate it, stick it on the fridge. Uh, and I would just start to test gels and do it safely. So obviously on the long runs. And you might want to take one every 40 minutes, as a, just as a rough guide, every 40, 45 minutes in a, in a long run, particularly as those runs kind of really build up. Obviously, it's only January now as, uh, as we, we release this episode. So that would be my my advice advice and then see how the body responds see how you feel and then you can start to perhaps increase it maybe up to every one every 30 minutes now some people that are 
really experienced with marathon running and they want to optimize everything what they will do is condition themselves to take on more fuel during the race and it is you know we hear this a lot from experts you know people we speak to on the show i guess it's about training your gut as well that's really important don't leave that to chance just just train it condition it get your body used to it so you can start to increase the frequency of the gels a few little thoughts for you i've always been a big fan of mixing up the flavors because even if you find a brand and usually for people with gels it's a case of saying oh i like this brand because they're often referring to the consistency of the brand. You know, some are a little bit more runny, some are a bit thicker and you need to take water with it and things like that. So it's usually down to consistency and also flavour, you know, taste. But if you found a brand that works for you with regards to consistency, maybe mix up the flavours a little bit. Because as I said earlier, if you are in the race and you're taking, you're on your eighth gel or something crazy, you know, you're going to be pretty sick of it by then. So just changing the flavour can really actually help just you tolerate the gel to be perfectly honest but that would be that would be my thoughts for sure yeah absolutely i mean this whole thing about gels uh, this is this is um why when we've had people on who are ultra runners and they talk about you know stopping off having a pizza going a bit further down the road having a lasagna you know that's why if i were to go from where i am now i wouldn't go into marathon running i'd go into ultra running bait (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because of, because this idea of eating gels while you're running, that doesn't appeal to me. But the idea of, you know, pulling over and eating a roast dinner, that really does. In all seriousness, we apply a similar sort of thought process and methodology, if you like, to our training runs, which I'll, I'll, I'll explain in a moment. But just, just on the subject of, of gels, there is a technique to consuming them as well. So don't overlook this. If you want to really ace your marathon, and I'm not necessarily talking to directly to Gemma here because obviously it's Gemma first marathon and I, I really advise in your first marathon it's such a learning curve you know I, I've done gosh knows how many and I'm, I'm still learning every single marathon so it's important you don't put too much pressure on yourself but if you've done lots of marathons and you really want to ace a time and maybe you're at the stage in your running journey where you know that you're, you're chasing seconds minutes now rather than kind of chunks you know blocks of 10 minutes 15 minutes half an hour faster sure then you really want to test consuming the gels while you're moving because you don't want to lose any time at all because every second matters when you're at that stage in your running so when you're out there doing your long runs try to coordinate your gels so you're not in the middle of crossing a road you you, you're forcing yourself to consume it while running along yes you might need to back off a little bit there's definitely technique to where you carry them you know you can get these gel belts you can put them in in running tights whatever works for you again test it in training and just practice even something simple like just ripping off off the gel I mean, ripping open the packet, you know, when you've got cold hands, that's not not so easy. And just run along with it. I think a lot of people have this panic, like, oh, I'm in the jail, I've got to do it so quickly. Oh, quick, oh, especially in a race. No, just just relax. You don't want to choke on the thing. Just open the gel, run with it a little bit. Just keep taking little mouthfuls. Let your body absorb it, you know, nice and relaxed. Keep your heart rate down. You're not trying to unsettle yourself. It's a race, especially marathons, you know, long distance. So that is very important. While you're on that, mate, any advice for eating a roast dinner whilst you're running a marathon at all? <laughs> and, unless you're going to liquidise it, Pete, and put it in a sports <laughs> bottle, I think I'm going to rule that out. Well, that's Never, why. ever, ever email podcast at runningwithjay. <laughs> Dot com again with one of your questions okay please. sorry please don't do that <laughs> but in training martina and i so we're, we're working towards a manchester marathon shock horror mm, in april sure. and what we want to do we, we there's a few reasons behind this but we want to do kind of classic uh good road runs okay where you're you know it's a road race the marathon so it's important to train with specificity there's no point in hitting the trails every single weekend if actually 
come race day we're on the road so we're running on the roads and obviously i mean pavements by that and we're doing some undulating courses so it's not always pancake flat to give you an idea and put you in the picture as we get closer to the race when we get further into the training we'll start to do more training on the flat because generally the way i like to train and with my runners that the the closer we get to the race the more specific you want to make things in terms of the pace or the heart rate you're looking at uh, running out on the day the course itself you know there's no point in running loads of hills right near the race day if actually it's really flat on the day so you need to kind of make things specific so we kind of mix it up a bit but predominantly going to be road runs but then every sort of i would say maybe three or four weeks at the moment something like that i love just getting off road just exploring hitting the trails stopping at styles opening gates taking photos selfies with the sheep all that sort of <laughs> stuff i just i just love it pete and i'll tell you what it does as well it takes loads of pressure off it provides a completely different stimulus not only to the body but to the mind as well i mean for anybody that does trail running or even just walking in the beautiful national parks we have around the uk for example where we're recording this you will know how great it is for the mind and the soul it's just a beautiful environment to be in so we really like to mix things up a bit and you know what you talk about ultra running and like <laughs> although you say you would never do one i'd love you to do one one day it'd be amazing <laughs> shut but up what does appeal for what, what does appeal um for you pete is obviously the fact you can these food stations and you stop and start and a lot of people unless they're really looking at racing ultras do say it's a bit like a picnic they kind of joke but there's some truth in that because you can stop and you're not just on it with gels and you know there's malt loaf and solid foods and all that sort of stuff there's kind of longer breaks and whatever so we really like that when we're off road because it takes that pressure off and then when we're running on road it's a little bit more right we're at business time do you know what i mean it's, it's let's make sure we've got the water let's not try and stop too often let's make sure we're consuming the gels you know not so much right this moment we're only in january early doors we've got until april but that gives you an idea of how we like to train so maybe there's something you can take from that it's good to mix things up man good to mix things yeah up. mixing things up variety is the spice of life and all that kind mm. of stuff do you know um, I'm going to do one final question if that's alright and again mm. it's about marathons because it all seems to uh, roll in together and, and people this time of year they're setting their goals and they're thinking about marathons and they're thinking where it's at so I think it's really relevant um, and it's just Lisa who's um, who's done a few marathons she's she's doing her fifth marathon uh, her fi- first in Brighton uh, again Uh, in April and she's never done a warm-up before a marathon before she's just wondering if she should try I'm going to answer this with one word and it's the most frustrating answer that anybody could possibly give to a question like this depends (laughs) but it really does depend it really does depend so many things actually with running that that is often the answer oh well uh, it kind of depends so it does depend on the individual's experience so in the case of, of Lisa running her fifth marathon no doubt chalked up some great experience whether the races went well or they didn't go so well depending on our aspirations and goals there there would have been some great learnings from those four races for sure so that's really important that you draw on those maybe you did some logging in terms of some notes and things like that whether that's garmin or strava or polar or just a handwritten diary or whatever works even just from memory you know depending on how old they were really think about what did i learn from that and how can i change things moving forward if you've never warmed up what did I mention earlier, Pete, about what, in one of these questions, the hashtag Ask Jake? It's about testing things, right? So you've got to test things in training. So if you're coming back from injury, you've got to test it. If you're thinking about how many gels to take in a race, you've got to test it. The problem with testing a warm-up for a marathon 
is it's a flipping marathon mm. and you can't do them very often i know some people do you know i'm doing 50 marathons in you know four hours or whatever <laughs> not quite but you know what i mean so you you because you can't do them very often they don't come around you know i think really if you're going to race them properly like really go for it like maximum two a year really mm. i would say sure it's kind of like logical um so on that basis what you don't want to do is test something on the day of the race and then kind of think oh that didn't really work for me and it really scuppered my chances so there's a bit of a a balance here it's, it's like oh but it's the only way to really know so you could test in your runs so you know your long runs i don't know whether you're planning on doing some really long runs where you're incorporating a bit of marathon pace that could be quite helpful you know if you do I'm going to use the classic 20 mile and you don't have to do 20 miles as a long run to do a marathon, by the way. You really don't. Maybe a conversation for another show, Pete. But the the 20 miles, if you're doing, let's say, 10 miles of that, the last 10 miles at marathon pace or something like that, that's a pretty good simulation of what you're going to do on the day. You know, there's definitely some parallels there. So you could potentially test doing a bit of a warm-up, think about how you felt in the race. Yes, you're only running for 10 miles at marathon pace rather than and 20 in total, you know, 10 easy, 10 marathon, not 26.2 miles at marathon pace. But you're going to learn something from that. The one thing I would have in mind is it stands to reason that the shorter the race, the faster the pace. Of course, you know, 100, give you an extreme example, a marathon runner versus a 100 meter sprinter. I mean, you know, you, you can't compare. So the shorter, the faster the race, therefore the longer and more important, I believe the warm up should be because you're preparing your body to run at a certain pace so the faster you run the more stressful that is the more you're asking of your body yes a marathon at a marathon pace you're asking your body to sustain it for a long time i get that but you're going to be warm aren't you you're going to get warm pretty quickly 10 20 minutes two three four miles into the race you're warm you're done and you're not asking your body to run at the same pace you would as if it was like a 5k so it's important to have that in mind the warm-up for a marathon needs to be small. Now, I've done many marathons and I've had different experiences, some good, some bad. I have to say the majority have been amazing experiences, which I'm really thankful for. But I've only recently started to test warming up in the last few marathons and I'm still kind of fine-tuning this. But to give you a bit of an idea what could quite what could work quite well here, Lisa, is to maybe just look at where the race start is and where are you staying is it a local race are you staying are you leaving from home and going to the race start are you in a hotel somewhere because if you're walking to the start line as well that is actually a bit of a warm-up yes it's just a walk but you're going to elevate the heart rate a bit that's going to get you warm so what you don't want to do is then start to layer on lots of kind of jogging and stretching and dynamic stretching and drills and all this you'll be exhausted before you start so look at how long you're having to, how you get into the start line. And then you might want to do just a few casual kind of leg swings, you know, where you see footballers do this at the side of like the football pitch. I'm not a big football fan, but just swinging their leg forwards and backwards across the body as well. All you're doing is just warming up, mobilizing your joints, just priming the mind as well, just getting yourself switched on a little bit. Although I hasten to add, you're probably going to be pretty switched on and fired up anyway, because it's a marathon is what you've been training for for you know several months so keep things nice and easy if you do want to have a go at a little warm-up just jog like five minutes maybe like a really super easy jog like ridiculously slow just to get a bit of blood flowing then you might stop you might do a little bit of gentle stretching not long do not hold stretches for a long time you're looking at like 10 seconds maximum because what you don't want to do if you're stretching your muscles 
for kind of like 30 seconds plus, which you might do after a run, you're switching your muscles off. There is some evidence to suggest that you're switching your muscles off and actually you want to switch them on ready for the race. So some really light kind of gentle stretches, no more than eight, 10 seconds. And then what you might do is another three, four, maybe five minutes max, kind of just up to marathon pace, just nice and easy, nothing too crazy, and then stop. And you want to try and do this fairly close to the race start, which is the case with any race of any distance. The problem with that is logistics. So particularly if you're doing a really big event, I, I don't know which, oh, it's, it's it, which race is it Lisa's doing? Uh, it's Brighton, mate. Brighton is it? Yeah. So a pretty big race. So, you know, logistically might not be so easy to do this great warm up 10 minutes before the gun goes, mm. but that's kind of how you want to be managing things and just Err on the side of caution, I would say, is really, really important because it's a marathon. You've got the first two or three miles to warm up, for sure. I hope that helps. Let us know how it goes, man. Brighton, it's on my list. For the show notes and video content, go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. Are you a small business owner or self-employed? Is the admin starting to take over your life and your enjoyment of your business? You started your business with a vision. If you're the same as most small business owners, that vision wasn't spending long hours on admin that take you away from what you love doing. Sounds like a virtual assistant is what you need. To find out exactly what they do, how they can help, and so many useful small business management tips, then listen to the podcast, How to Work with a VA Day-to-Day on your podcast app. Running with Jake, the podcast. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, we'll, f- we'll end on another one because I do like a question and I think this one's a really practical one and it's a really useful one uh, for everybody at this, uh, this time of year. We've, we've hit some of the marathon stuff, which is totally relevant, but I think also um, just Bethany got in touch and it's a really sensible, sensible question and it's something that's on my mind as well when I go out doing a little bit of a run at this time of the year. Uh, and Bethany says, I absolutely hate running in the dark. You see, I don't hate running in the dark. It means people can't see me, so I'm quite cool with it. But her concerns are quite serious, and she's just asked the question, do you have any tips on how you can stay safe in the dark? Because she feels unsafe, and nobody wants to feel unsafe, uh, especially when you're doing something that you want to do. Nah, that's just miserable, isn't it? It's going to hinder your enjoyment, and to be honest, potentially your motivation to get out there. You may not be as consistent with your training because you feel unsafe, which is understandable. I think looking, first and foremost, at what are your options? So, what, what are your daylight running options is my question. If you work, as an example, Monday to Friday and you're kind of typical office hours, so by the time it comes around to running in the evening, you know it's dark, uh, do you have weekends off? Could you maximise the daylight hours at the weekend? Now, for some people, running back-to-back days is not always so helpful, not always so good. You know, if there's a few niggles or the plague with injury, that may not be the case for you. Maybe you can do a run on a Saturday and a Sunday, in which case that's two runs that you are, you've banked and you're running in the daylight. Now, that sounds like a really obvious thing to say, but I really would say, look, if we don't like running in the dark, what can we do something? Can we make some adjustments to our lifestyle to run in the daylight? That's the first thing. The second thing is, do you have access to be able to run indoors? Meaning, do you have a treadmill at home? Do you have access to a gym? Is joining a local health club something that you could potentially do? Maybe you can't justify the membership, but actually you could just pay as you go and it's only a few quid. And if it just gives you the option, could you do that? Martina uh, has the same issue, my girlfriend, with running in the dark and I help her kind of problem solve this. Uh, And one of the things that she does as well as using the option uh, the gym, the treadmill, maximising daylight running, as I mentioned, is running on the local track. 
The track here is actually really close to the gym. It's a really nice track. It's it's lit, floodlit in the evening. Yes, running clubs do use it, but it only takes a phone call. Hi, you know, is it free tomorrow between this time? Yes, great. Go down, pay a few quid. Just feels really safe and secure. As I say, it's nicely lit in a safe environment and you can switch off and focus on your run. So that could definitely be an option for you. Of course, the other thing is making sure you can run in as safe an area as possible. So if you have to run in the dark, make sure there's good street lighting, of course, very important. I would sacrifice enjoyment for safety or variety for safety. Meaning, if there's a really safe route for you to run, it's on quite busy roads, uh, meaning, you know, there's lots of kind of activity, things happening, it's, it's really well lit, street lighting. But it's a bit boring and it's a one-mile loop and actually you want to run six miles on a Wednesday night. Well, actually, just do it six times. Yes, it's not super exciting, but it is going to tick a box and sometimes needs must. And of course, making sure that you are well lit. Now, there's two things here. When people think, oh, I'm going to buy a head torch or I'm going to buy a, an LED vest that lights me up, what's the goal here? Is it for you to see or is it to be seen? Because while there's a connection between the two, a relationship between the two, they are different. So we've got an LED uh, vest that we put on and it lights up. Martina uses it a lot when she runs at night. And it's really just so people can see her. You know, it's got red lights, little LEDs on the back, little white ones on the, fl- on the front that flash. It doesn't really light up the ground where she's running. It doesn't really help her to see anything, but it helps her to be seen. So it gives her more confidence. And then she's got a head torch. Just make sure you get a head torch that's super comfortable. There's lots out there. I recommend trying them first uh, and make sure that you the battery's always charged because that can easily catch you out. So always check your battery after you've ran uh, of an evening to make sure, you know, if you need to charge it up again. Uh, and it's the head torch that enables you to see. Yes, people will be able to see you as well. But remember, that's the purpose of having something like a, an armband that lights up or a, an LED vest. So I hope that helps. There's quite a few kind of thoughts there, Pete, actually. But it is, as you say, it's a massive subject at the moment, particularly for so many of us, depending on where we are in the world, running in in the dark. Uh, and it's something that, you know, we need to stay safe. It's really important. I hope that helps. You know, Jay, I'm happy with that. I feel that everything's mopped up now and, um, you know, my little OCD box is ticked and that's good. Mopping up 2021 quite nicely, yeah. Your um, weekly dose of moppivation. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Next week's uh, going to be slightly different. In fact, we've got a guest on that we're recording later on today. And oh, you'll hear this next week. Oh. And is it, I know that you, you say you're excited about every guest. And I know you are <laughs> excited about every guest. That's genuine. But uh, this guy, you've been trying to nail down for quite some time. He's a nightmare. He's a nightmare as far as recording's concerned. <laughs> and uh, he keeps dropping out on us. And we've finally nailed him down to 2.30 this afternoon. So we'll be having a chat with him later on today. And you'll be hearing it next Wednesday when it's released. You particularly oh. excited about it, though. You've just put it out there that we're, we're going to release the episode next Wednesday. It's not entirely accurate it may not be the case it may not happen be i'm probably still going to be chatting with him by then i'm still going to <laughs> be recording so. the call i've got so many questions i mean you think hashtag ask jake no 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 no. we're gonna do hashtag ask today's the guest person. or next week's guest <laughs> oh man I, i'm I, honestly i'm super charged and i think you're going to be really charged and enjoy listening to the chat next week lots of tips lots of tricks really want to pick his brains man this is going to be great This has been your weekly dose of running motivation, the first episode of 2022. And I'm going to tell you something now. I am prepared to have a fantastic year of running. I'm up for it. And guess what? I want to take you lot with me. We've got this. 
Have a fantastic week of running. Get out there, bank those miles, stay safe. Speak to you all very soon. Oh, and one more thing. The new year, it stands before us like a chapter in a book just waiting to be written. 